This week's reading is from Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 20. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh? But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a man commits are outside his body, But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. This is God's word. Ben, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, reading. Let me have my welcome. If uh, we've not met, my name's Matt, uh, Matt Fuller. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our Father, we're conscious that your word is like a double-edged sword, dividing soul from spirit, joints from marrow. And as we come to this part of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, uh, we're looking at personal issues. We're looking at sensitive issues. Pray you'd give me the right words. And you'd give us hearts to hear your word rightly and be transformed by it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a teacher, I had a friend, or colleague, I guess, a chap called Pete. Uh, Pete had a son, James, who was a lovely lad. And I got to know him a bit. He, uh, excuse me, a godson, James. Uh, I got to know him a little bit as he came through the school. Uh, and he arrived, 11, talented lad, uh, very bright, very able, you know, sort of straight A sort of kid. Uh, good sportsman. I mean, good at all sports. Outstanding cricketer. Uh, really top-notch. Uh, and he had a lovely relationship with his parents, his siblings, uh, and you'd kind of see him around the school, and he'd sort of acknowledge Pete, and you know, it was lovely, very sweet relationship, lovely lad. Uh, age, uh, got, he went to see him grow up a little bit through the school, uh, muck about, you know, get his colours, get his trophies, cricket trophies, this sort of thing. Uh, about age 16, uh, things, you know, you get, you get a bit livelier, don't you, as a kid, and uh, he was invited to a party, good party. So uh, one of his older mates had a birthday party at County Hall. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be honest about that. You know, smack opposite, in the right centre of the town, um, you know, six storeys, prestige building, County Hall. This was a few, we're, going back a, we're going back a few years. We're going back a few years. Um, I think it was 98, uh, before they worked out quite what they were doing with the building. So you could hire it. So hire from, Now, that's a great party for a 16-year-old, and you're going to invest in that big time. So I think probably some new trousers were bought, uh, and some new shoes were bought to impress... 
uh, the female of the species uh, with uh, his uh, dashing. He also took a decision that night to, uh, for the first time in his life, to take ecstasy. It was a great party, by all accounts, uh, great band, great DJs, and uh, he had a great time. And the ecstasy helped him, I guess, in one say, you could say, have a great time. Apart from uh, towards the end of the evening, he got a little overexcited. So he and a, a bunch of mates were on the top floor dancing away, and uh, then he clambered over a load of stuff, opened a window, and clambered out onto the ledge of County Hall. And then, it's all because of excitement. Jimmy, get in, get in, don't be daft. But at that point, he had made a curious observation. He said, I'm going to fly to the ground. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to look, I'm going to use my wings and fly to the ground. Jimmy, you're freaking us out. Get back in, get back in. What's the problem with you? You're so boring. Why don't you come out and fly with me? We can fly to the ground. Jimmy, don't be deceived. <laughs> uh, what have you taken? Uh, the drugs are made playing with your mind. Jimmy, Jimmy, get back in. You lot are so boring. And he jumped. And he died. And that was a miserable funeral. He thought he'd fly to the ground with his wings. That is a tragic deception. Paul would say to you this evening, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, do not be deceived. Will you please not be deceived. Don't believe the lie that our culture will feed us continually. Sex is disposable. You're just disposable. Just use it and pick up with someone and drop them. And you do whatever you want on your own. It has no impact upon you. We're just to explore and try out everything. And Paul would say, do not be deceived. Don't believe the lies. This matters enormously. You cannot belong to Jesus Christ and continue in unrepentant patterns of sins. You cannot. You cannot be a Christian belonging to Jesus Christ and continue in unrepentant you don't regret, you don't fight unrepentant patterns of sins. If you think you can do both, you are deceived and deceiving yourself. And Paul will shout at you to wake you up and bring you to your senses. Don't be deceived. You know, when it comes to issues of sexuality and sex, I guess increasingly our culture is a little bit inconsistent. So I read this week, uh, uh, Pete Bradshaw in the Times uh, commented, he's, he's, a fil- he's their film guy, we're commenting on films, we've entered a spasm of no-string cinema. I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, but he goes on to explain, you know, in the past, uh, even up into the last decade, 
when it comes to sex in films, there's, there's always consequences. So the rom-com, the bloke is classically, the bloke is an idiot, or the bloke is a bit of a cad. But in the end, even though he slightly takes advantage of the girl, he falls in love, they get together, and they, they end up happily ever after. Because although he was a bit daft, it all comes together and all is well. Because sex is meant for a relationship. Or, uh, not in the rom-coms, in the thrillers, in the thrillers, you know, a man, classically works this way, or a woman, but classically a man, uh, uh, is sexually immoral in some way, and it comes back to haunt him. These sort of classic, sort of basic instinct sort of uh, things, uh, um, deception, half these films had Michael Douglas in them, but anyway, oh, the classic, the, um, you know, he'd do something wrong, and golly, it would come back to haunt him. So there was always a sort of consequence um, Pete Bradshaw just makes the observation, no more. It's just not the case anymore. We're sort of deluged with films where you just explore, 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 and everyone goes, well, that was interesting, there's no real plot, and then it ends. That's kind of how it is, weirdly. So on one hand, that's where our culture is, and that's what cinema looks like. And yet, if you read any sort of newspaper, once a week, so it seems to me, certainly once a fortnight, someone is saying, excuse me, what are we doing to our children? What is a culture of pornography in the UK doing to our children? We're mad. Will someone please do something? When you're in a culture where, uh, in the age bracket of 13 to 17, secondary school age, 31% of boys, 16%, excuse me, I got that wrong, 31% of girls, 16% of boys say they've been the victim of sexual violence. 31% of girls, 16% of boys between the ages of 13 and 17 said we have been sexually assaulted by someone in that same bracket. Overwhelmingly, it begins with sexting. Just innocent, isn't it? No, it is not. So our culture is kind of schizophrenic. I just do what you like, go for it, but not, but hold on, but but what what is the... uh, Paul will say, don't be deceived. Let me, let me look at verses 9 to 11. That's where he emphasizes this before we get into the guts of what we're looking at tonight. Verses 9 to 11, really he's going to say, look, if you're the wrongdoers, you, if you're a wrongdoer, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot. Chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know? Four times we'll say that in this passage. Here, verse 15, verse 16, verse 19. Come on! Come on, you should know this. It's not complicated, he says. Do you not know? This is basic. Do you not know, verse 9, that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Wicked is a little strong. It suggests you have to be truly awful. It just means unrighteous, literally. Unrighteous. Those who aren't living a life consistent of being a Christian. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not enjoy the benefits of Christ's kingdom. You will never get to heaven if your lifestyle is characterized, not a one-off failure, characterized by unrepentantly any of these things. The sexually immoral, that just means any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Idolaters. Adulterers. Male prostitutes. Homosexual offenders. Listen, we're going to talk about those words at 8 o'clock. We do a whole 40 minutes just on that issue. Homosexuality, come on if you want that. Thieves. Greedy. Drunkards. Slanderers. Swindlers. 
None of those will inherit the kingdom of God if that is a consistent, ongoing, unrepentant pattern of life. You will not. Is there anything ambiguous about those words to your mind? A lot of people say there is. I can't see it myself. It's pretty clear. You will not. Do not be deceived. Look, don't be deceived that these things matter, says Paul. Again, in much of our society, as Pete Bradshaw would observe, these just things get normalized. Adultery. <laughs> it's just a little, you know, just what everyone does, isn't it? You know, have you seen The Affair with Dominic West? It's great TV. It's an adulterous affair. Yeah, but you know, who doesn't do that these days? Well, quite a lot of people, actually, the stats would say. But it's just played on side. It's just normal. Greed, it's just normal. Slandering people, just normal. These are not normal activities. It shouldn't be that way. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't just be living this way. Don't be deceived. These things do matter. And don't be deceived by what they offer you, I think, also here. Don't be deceived by their offer fulfillment. Why do people binge eat? And why do people get drunk? There's multiple reasons, I know. Often it's for comfort. I'm lonely. I'm bored. I'm a bit fed up. So I'm going to get that bag of M&Ms and suck it till it's dry. I'm going to get these crate of six-pack and drink them all in one hit. And often sexually, people use that as a release as well. And sexual activity, often it promises emotional fulfillment, physical fulfillment, and yet it robs you in the wrong place. It leaves you feeling empty. You know that if you're sleeping around with multiple partners, it leaves you empty. You know that if you're a frequent viewer of pornography, a frequent on your own masturbate, it just leaves you empty. But like the Dementor's kiss, you know, just sucks you, leaves you joyless. Oh, off as much. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm bored. Mm-mm, I'm feeling a bit low. I'll just watch this. I'll just go out and see her and offers. Does it deliver? Briefly, but then don't be deceived, Paul would say. Crucially, verse 11, because you're different now. But none of those who are unrepentant, characterized by those lifestyle, will enter the kingdom of God. But verse 11, that is what some of you were. But, oh my goodness, but, but, three times is not translated, but it's literally this. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were washed clean of all your sins. You were sanctified when you became a Christian. You were set apart to live differently for Jesus. You're justified. That is, you, you have a status of perfect righteousness. You can stand bold before the throne of God. As we sung earlier, boldly we claim the crown. Because if you're Christians, you, you have access. You're very different to what you were before you became a Christian, if you belong to Jesus Christ. So you don't live that way now. We are different. Everything gets washed away. Now, of course, we need to bear in mind, if you spend, uh, what, four weeks in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, 
And there's going to be something, there's going to be points where all of us feel awkward. Because we know we've failed. All of us are sexual failures. I know my heart and I know I am. I can't see into your heart, but I can read my Bible and it says that you are. We're all sexual failures. Can you imagine if uh, we had to wear out a printout, a printout upon us, and we went around just for an evening, say, and on this printout would be every sexual sin that we've committed, all of them. Can you imagine that? The words, the actions, you just went beyond what you should have done, the thoughts, the clicks, the hours spent looking at images. Can you imagine it all? I've typed up mine. It's very small font because I don't want you to read it. That would be horrific, wouldn't it, if people could see? Because what Paul is saying is, no, 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 just don't worry about that. You're clean. You've been washed. It's all paid for by Jesus Christ. There is a blank sheet of paper. That happened the day you became a Christian. And you've been a Christian a decade and you've messed up since. It's still a blank sheet of paper. You are forgiven. You're different. You don't have to live the way you've been living. You really don't. But here the warning is, if there's no fight in you, if you never battle, if you never struggle, if you never confess, if you never fight sexual sin, there's one example amongst a number here, if you never fight those, Paul would say you're a Christian. If you never fight, never confess, never battle, Because your practice is denying your profession. Look, here is hope to those who are feeling defeated in the struggle. Paul would say, you are different. You do have the ability to fight. Live that way. Wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's get into the bulk of it. It seems to be the case that that, uh, 1 Corinthians is a number of questions that uh, that the, uh, the Corinthian church puts to Paul and uh, I've scribbled them on the back of this but it seems to me that the guts of their claim is this I'm free, sex is natural, let's go for it so it's a fairly modern claim okay? you get that in verses 12 to 13 his reply, no verses 14 to 17, your body belongs to Christ so flee, that's where we're going okay? let's take them in turn so the claim of the Corinthians, verses 12 to 13 I'm free I'm free, and sex is a very natural thing. Chapter uh, 6, verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, they say. Everything. Look, it's not against the law. There are two consenting adults. No one gets hurt. It's fine. What goes on in the bedroom is for the bedroom, not for your prying eyes. Get out of it and leave me alone. It's a very sort of modern uh, claim they're making. Making. And so, of course, the, the Christian view of sexuality, male, a man and a woman, marry, and sex is to cement and uh, their relationship, that's mocked, just being ridiculously outdated. One of the least pleasant I saw uh, recently, uh, shagatuni.com is a website. 
the founder, said, the site is what it is, people hunting for sex. Some of the images people post of themselves are explicit, but I'm okay with that. Well, of course you are, Dave Thurlow, you're making money out of it. But God, it's a website, what a nuisance. Who goes to a website when you can just go on your phone and flick through disposable people? It's fine. They've gone on Tinder, I'm on Tinder, who cares? You know, it's just, we know what we're doing. Uh, No, ugly, 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 impossible, possible. It's horrible. What's wrong with it to say the Corinthians? No one gets hurt. Is that true? Is that really true? Let me just take one example. Pornography, just one example. No one gets hurt. What harm can it do? That is an absolute lie. And it, I consider myself fortunate to have grown up in an age where the temptations weren't quite the same. Because, as we said, like a centurion, isn't it, or something. But um, nowadays, so pervasive. Very hard not to allow, allow a kid actually at a secondary school to have a phone. It's, you know, you can do it. But they're a bit of a social no-no because no one, they don't know what's going on. But as soon as someone's got a phone. And we are hypersexualizing girls. Telling them that their desirability relies upon how they dress or undress. And in one sense we're hyper-masculinizing boys. Making them think if you can't live up to some sort of porn ideal. Then you're not a man. If you can't go seven times in a night like they did in that video. You're not a man. It's just not true. It's fiction. There's a GP writing in the paper uh, last month. I just wrote in a letter commenting that she'd been, uh, uh, this was in um, Gloucestershire, rural Gloucestershire. So, you know, hardly the big city. Rural Gloucestershire. Sorry, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with coming from there. I'm just saying it's a it's, it's, um, rural area. She commented... For the last year, I've been treating teenage girls with internal injuries caused by frequent anal sex. I asked them why they'd done it. They all repeat, they all replied to me, sorry. They didn't enjoy it, but they felt expected to do it by boys who'd picked up their ideas of sexual intimacy from a dogging video on their mobile phones. That's horrible. No one gets hurt. That all gets hurt. Just a whole generation gets taught that intimacy is a fiction. Lies. So uh, uh, as the stats go up, so apparently now, uh, this, is, this was two years ago, 15% of university students visit their GPs for erectile dysfunction. 6% are taking Viagra. Of university students, of blokes age 18 to 21, what are they expecting to happen? Well, they're expecting something that's inhuman. So they have to take drugs if you have to go seven times a night. It's just not true. No one gets hurt. No one gets hurt. Oh, just a whole generation get destroyed about their ideas of intimacy. Everything's permissible. Paul replies, no, look, it's not everything is beneficial. Just because it's lawful doesn't mean that God accepts it. Just because he forgives you doesn't mean you should abuse his grace. The idea that sex before marriage has no impact is a lie. 
The idea that sex before marriage has no impact is a lie. Letter from one girl. I slept with my husband when we were engaged. I was really angry at myself for not holding out. But angrier with him. I wanted him to be stronger and more self-controlled with me. I even considered calling off the wedding. I hated him. Because he cheaply took my first time in a cheap way when it should have been a consummation of our promises before God. It took me a long while after we were married to feel that sex was a good thing and a right thing with him. I, it always has consequences. Are greater in some than in others. I asked a friend to write a note that I could read out. Mid-40s, uh, married, children. You'd never know. But I know that um, his marriage had very difficult times because of um, uh, pornography. Matt, I've sat down to do this and find it much harder than I thought. It's not easy to just write a story that's actually quite long, complicated, embarrassing. It started when I was 13, then stopped for years and crept back into my life. It eventually went out of control. Once it grabs you, you think you can control it. You justify it as an option for not having sex before, you ha- before you're married. Oh, I'll watch porn. It means I'll know what to do when I'm actually with a girl. I'll know how to be a man. At first you feel ashamed, but also good that you're not having sex outside of marriage. As a Christian, you don't tell anyone, which makes it worse. What would people say? How would they treat you? You'd be a pervert. So you keep it to yourself and say, I can control this. Then it really takes a hold of you. But it's a secret. No one else knows. You engage when you want. At first it's sporadic. Then it becomes like a drug or a fix that you need to have. It becomes a vicious cycle. Trying to live life as a normal person, being a leader in your community, looking like a model person, and yet consumed with a desire to escape, escape, escape to porn. In reality, it kills intimacy. It hurts the ones you love. And it leads to complete emptiness. Matt, I don't know that I can say much more than this. I do know that I need to share this with men who are struggling. It's the only way that I myself will stay clean and return to normal, healthy relationship with my wife and family. This hurts. Matt, in your sermon, tell men to reach out to one person. A Christian friend whom they can trust, that won't judge them, will pray and support them. Maybe in your church... You should talk more about support groups. I think that to preach about the dangers of pornography, you need to be able to offer a safe place at church for men who are struggling to get clean. Hold each other accountable and support one another. You know, it's not enough just to have software. People have software, covenant eyes and triple X. I'm sure they're good and they're helpful and they report if you've looked at things you shouldn't. But actually, you just need someone who you go to and you pray with, and they love you, even when you screw up. That's what you need.
Not everything's beneficial. They keep on going, verse 12. Like, oh, everything's permissible for me. Yeah, you might say that, but I'm not going to be mastered by anything, says Paul. I will not be enslaved by anything. I'm free, say the Corinthians. If you're a porn addict, you're not free. You're enslaved. Just be clear about it. If you're sleeping around, you're not free. You're addicted to a certain pattern of behavior. I was talking last week to a woman uh, converted, uh, slightly later on in life than many here, but said she'd spend the whole of her life going from man to inappropriate man to inappropriate man. And she said, for the first decade of doing that, I felt I was a liberated woman. And now I realize I was just desperate for genuine intimacy. Freedom? No, it's not freedom. Those who have self-control are free. You're free when someone offers you something and you say, no, I don't, thank you. I can control myself. That's when you're free. You're not free if you're mastered and overcome and can't resist. That's not freedom. That's ridiculous to think that way. Verse 13, let's try another slogan. Uh, Let's keep going with these slogans that the Corinthians love to shout out. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Yeah. In other words, I'm natural. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink. When I have sexual desires, I screw. It's just natural. It's what humans do. That's how we live. I have sexual urges. The stomach for food and the food for the stomach. Sex for the loins and my loins for sex. It's just how I roll as a creature. You know, I'm just made that way. That's quite common, isn't it? Yeah, I feel slightly dated. Do you remember this? No, no one will remember it. But there was a song. It sort of went, did the rounds for a while. Uh, I won't sing it because it'd be awful. But uh, you and me, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals. So let's do it like they do it on Discovery Channel. Anyone remember that? Maybe it does the maybe it does the rounds. You remember it, and you're very young. Yeah. The um, I mean, it's a strange logic. They do it like that on Discovery Channel, so we should do the same. Yeah, and also they sort of chase zebras and uh, eat them with their mouths. And we don't do that. And when it's raining, they sort of sit on the floor and look sorry for themselves and just sort of, you know, we don't do that. I mean, it's a slightly strange logic to apply to things. And Paul is saying, no, that's not the case. What you should chant is a bit different, Paul would say. Verse 13 No, 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 no. Stomachs, foods, God will destroy them both. The body's not meant for sexual immorality, but the Lord for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That's a good thing to chant. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That's better. That's better. That's healthier. That's normal. That's right. But you do see the sort of arguments that the Corinthians are making. We're consenting adults, for goodness sake. No one gets hurt. It's a natural urge. I have to release it. It's good for me to release it. It's my body. I can do what I want. The very sort of modern sounding arguments that they're making 2,000 odd years ago. We're free. I'm free and sex is natural. Paul's response, verse 14. No, no. No, your body belongs to Christ, verses 14 to 17. God made your body, redeemed your body, he'll raise your body. Verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, he'll raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? If you're a Christian, you're a member. That is literally, you're a body part of Jesus Christ. You're united to him. So if you're a Christian... It says you're a part of Jesus in your unity with him. 
So don't unite yourself with a prostitute. That was the presenting issue uh, for them in Corinth. Lots of uh, people going to visiting prostitutes. Don't do that. Because you're uniting Christ with that in that scenario as well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you were married, or if you are married, but if you were married, you uh, you went with your spouse and said, "I've got a nice night out for us tonight, dear," uh, and you go to uh, Central Shepherd's Market, and rather going to the Market Tavern, you go upstairs to one of the rooms which has got a red light on, and you visit the model, uh, and you go and say, "You just stand here, dear, and watch me as I have sex with a prostitute." That's all, you know. You just stand there and observe. I'm going to have sex with her, okay? And that's what you do. And and then you go home in the car and you say, I love you with all my heart, my darling. And how does she feel? And Paul says, don't do that with Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You're united to Jesus if you're a Christian. You're a member of his. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Verse 15. Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Unthinkable. Horrific as an idea. I'm free. No, your body belongs to Christ. Okay, what should we do? Verses 18 to 20. Flee. Flee. Immorality. Verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Run away. Don't play with it. Don't toy with it. Don't say, well, we've done it for a little while and it didn't matter. Don't say to other people, well, we had sex when we were going out and we were engaged. It didn't really do us any harm. Don't say, flee. Flee. Is anyone in any uncertainty about what the word flee means? Think to yourself, uh, Hollywood... Uh, someone like Jack Bauer in 24, and he opens a box, and there's a bomb in the box. And the bomb says 15 seconds. What does he do? He doesn't go, hello, bomb. Look at your construction. You're very clever. Who made you? <laughs> he doesn't do any of that. He runs. He runs. He runs, and in that bizarre way that only happens in TV, he'll run away, and the bomb will go off, and you'll get the bomb going behind him. And, uh, you know, they do that funny thing, and their arms go waving away. I've spoken to friends who are military and say, does that happen if a bomb goes off? Do you do a sort of five-year-old's front crawl? And they say, no, that never happens. You just dive, like diving into a pool. But in Hollywood, it always works that way. The bomb goes off, and, you're, and your back arches, and you do this sort of funny front crawl. Flee! Flee is what he says. He says, run away. Don't get close. Don't, don't think it doesn't matter. Can I plead with you this evening? It really hurts. It does screw you up. It does really matter. It does ruin relationships. It does take a long time to recover from. Don't think it doesn't matter. Flee! Will you please flee? So you find yourself, whatever the scenario is, you find yourself and you're married and you, it's late and you're away and you're with a colleague and your colleague is just more patient and flattering and 
sort of respects you and you go home and, it's, and your colleague just you know, makes you feel good and makes you feel better. And you sit, you're having a drink with a colleague and it's 10 o'clock one night and you think, golly, I find them attractive. Flee. You're having a drink, get up from the table, walk away and go away and flee. It'll look odd, but it doesn't matter. Flee. And you're at home and it's late and you're bored and you're fed up and you're lonely and you're self-pitying and you think, I'm going to look at porn and masturbate. It'll make me feel better. Flee. Flee. The Lord is endlessly patient. And he forgives all sins that we confess to him. And that is very wonderful. But they do affect us. As Paul puts it here. Verse 18 All other sins a man commits are outside his body. He who sins sexually sins against his own body. Sexual sin is different. It's not worse than pride. It's not worse than greed. It's not worse than anger, but it is different. Very striking the phrase. You sin, those who sin sexually sins against his own body. Sexual sin scars you. I've got a couple of big fat caterpillars on my torso from where I've been operated on for various things. You know, one of them a decade ago. Then are going nowhere. They're always going to look hideous and ridiculous and as if an insect is crawling over my stomach. That's just the way it is. Their scars are going nowhere. I've got them for the rest of my life till the resurrection body. Sexual sins scar you in a different way. Don't get it? That's what Paul is saying. Flee. Flee. Now we know that if we're Christians. And of course Paul is addressing Christians here fundamentally. We know that. And yet... And yet sexual desires are so strong, aren't they? And we could all sit here tonight and say, yeah, that's what I must do. That is what I must do. But in the moment, so strong. But think of it, I, for myself, I I think of it like this. Two doors. We got them, two doors. I think of it this way, in the moment. There are two doors. And behind one, let's say the red one, behind one is, uh, is sex. It's sexual excitement, it's whatever it may be. Inappropriate sex is through the red door. And I remind myself, but who is it with? Say it's, take the example of pornography, who is it with? It's with really a bullying, violent man. It's with an abusive slut. She'll offer me something. She'll offer me quick satisfaction, but afterwards she just takes. She just takes. She just takes a little bit of me every time. What she'll do, particularly if I'm addicted to pornography, she'll rewire my brain. All the science demonstrates it, the neuroplasticity of the brain. You watch a lot of porn, you you completely distort it. What excites you changes. So lots of married men addicted to porn cannot have sex with their wives after a long period of time because they simply do not have the capacity to get excited by their own spouse because their brains have been rewired. So behind the red door is an abusive partner. 
She'll offer a little bit of fun that she'll take. She'll take all the time. It is like the Dementor's kiss. <sighs> sucking away from me. And it doesn't feel like it at first, but after a while I realise this is joyless. It's just joyless. Behind the other door is Jesus Christ. And he gives. And he gives. And he gives me forgiveness. And he gives me capacity to live differently. And he gives me, oh, he gives me people I need. They let me down. They're not quite what they should be. But he does give me people I need. He gives me brothers and sisters to help me stand on my feet again when I've screwed up or I'm going down the wrong path. And he gives. And he gives. And he keeps on giving. So behind one door is, well, we got a Dementor, I don't know, if I can't remember it. There he is. Behind one door is that it just <laughs> offering, offering intimacy, but just sucking away your joy over time. Unable to have a healthy relationship. Just prevented from doing so. Behind the other door is Jesus Christ, and he gives. Get rid of that, that's ridiculous. Get rid of that. He gives. He gives. He gives. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? Do you not know that? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, the temple in the Old Testament took 13 years to build. It, 750 tons of gold. To put that in today's prices, that 7.5 trillion pounds worth of gold went into building Solomon's temple. Wow. Wow. And Paul says, you're a temple. Not 13 years into construction and worth seven point trillion, but worth much more than that. Because before, if you're a Christian, before the creation of the world, Jesus planned to die for you. And verse 19, you're not your own. You were bought at a price, not seven point trillion, but the death of the Son of God. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Behind the red door, behind door one is a bonk, a screw, a shag, whatever you want to say, call it. Behind door number two is the living God. The Father who plans, has good plans for you, the Savior who's died for you, the Spirit who lives within you, who gives and gives and gives and gives. And he'll raise you again, verse 14, from the dead, and he'll take you to be with you in glory. He is your future. You, you've got to know what behind the two doors. Flee. Forgive me if I've overstated, well, I don't know, not overstated. Forgive me if I've touched wrong ner raw nerves. But Jesus forgives everything. But it's so sad to see the damage being done to so many because they're deceived in this area. And Paul would plead with us don't be deceived. Live for Jesus Christ. He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, there is not one person here in this room tonight who is not a sexual failure. But there is not a single person in this room tonight who is beyond the grace of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness.
And that is so wonderful. To know that we've trusted in him, we're washed clean, we're sanctified, we're justified, and you love us. And despite our mess, despite our failures, despite our flaws, you love us. Father, there'll be different people here tonight. Uh, There are some who are deceived. They think it's fine to carry on in adultery, carry on in an unrepentant pattern of porn, uh, uh, carry on uh, sleeping around outside of marriage, and they think it's fine. Would they not be deceived? Father, there are many of others who, who are battling. We know it's wrong. We make mistakes. We confess our sin. Would you help us? Father, would you help us? Would you help us see clearly what's behind the two doors, that Jesus Christ is the one who gives, and, and sexual sin is a, a dementor who takes? Would we see that clearly? And Father, so therefore, would we see you clearly? In order to have the strength to flee, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say again, uh, these are very personal issues, and our sexuality goes right to the heart of our identity. It's a key element of our identity. That's why I think it's so painful, and Paul says we sin against ourselves. Please, if, you, if, if you've got questions, if you're feeling raw, don't go home tonight without speaking to someone and praying. Please come and find me if you'd like to. I will not go home till everyone else has left the building tonight. Please speak to someone. Don't just go away with these things unaddressed. As we've said, at 8 o'clock, uh, we'll have a sort of formal session for a little bit on the issue of homosexuality. But then after that as well, before and after, ask your questions, pray. Meet with people to pray. If, you've, if you know you've got an issue, confess it to someone tonight. Make a start. If someone confesses, some, confesses something to you, love them. Love them. Bow in repentance with them. 